and welcome to the first ever Mickey Waffle. We're a bunch of Brits, all members of the Dib, that love to waffle on about Disney. With me are my fellow wafflers. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. Hi there. And I think we'll just have a quick spin round and a name check to see who's with us today. Hi, uh, my name is Jill. I'm Jill H on the Dib. I'm married to Peter. We have been to uh, Walt Disney World twice. We've been to DLP, oh, I think it's about 11 times now. We have been on one Disney cruise. So that's our Disney credentials for you. And an interesting fact about me, um, the first time we went to WDW, we spent most of it in winter coats because it was minus two degrees. And you know what? Absolutely loved it. Empty parks, <laughs> never got tired, loved it. Bring it on. My name is Samantha. I'm Smiling Sammy on the Dib. Uh, I first went to Orlando when I was six years old. And since then, I have been nine times. Um, and I've only been to Disneyland Paris twice, but I much prefer saving my money and going to Orlando. Hi, my name's Claire. I'm Cheeky Tink on the Dib Boards. I have been to Disney World now 15 times. I've also been to Disneyland in California uh, once in the 90s. Um, Disneyland Paris is probably my favourite place. And I'm going to take my 33rd trip there in uh, about three or four weeks. And this year, for the first time, I'm an Infinity Pass holder for Disneyland Paris. Interesting fact for me, uh, I absolutely love Disney history and backstory information so uh, i try and do as many vip tours and back backstage tours as i possibly can hi i'm john i'm walk for it on the dip um my first visit to walt disney world was christmas 2002 um and, and at that time was really i was in florida to play golf and it was my wife's fault when she suggested that we got a ticket for the disney theme parks uh, the rest is eight is history 15 disney trips later Six of them on the Dib as trip reports. Um, and there are four people in this house with a Disney and Florida addiction, uh, which has kind of cost a little bit of money along the way. They're all involved, actually, in sort of trying to find out where that flight bargain comes from for the next one. Uh, we enjoy more than just the theme parks and have visited east and west coast of Florida, really to get a flavour of the whole state. And with a current countdown of just 45 days until our next Florida adventure, it's fever pitch in this household. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm at Kastef1 on the Dib. Um, started our Disney addiction in um, 2013 when we went to Florida for our honeymoon. Um, interesting fact about me is that even though we're about 4,000 miles away from Disney, I check the wait times and also what fast passes are available. <laughs> I'm Becca, also at Kerstef1 on the Dib. Uh, my first Florida was again in 2013, our honeymoon. Um, interesting fact, we were actually out there during Hurricane Matthew. Quite nice. <laughs> adventure, that one. Hey, I'm Lloyd. Uh, I'm the far less pretty half of Emma and Lloyd on the Dib. Um, we're yet to visit a Disneyland park, but we've been enjoying Walt Disney World over the years. I've been going since 1989. I've been about 14 times. Uh, I spent the 90s visiting Walt Disney World with my folks and then had my first solo trip in 2002. This trip was particularly cool as I managed to befriend a couple of Imagineers. So I got a couple of opportunities to see behind the, uh, the curtain, which was cool. Uh, but even better, when I was there in 2002, I was doing my pilot's license and the, uh, the northern route out from Kissimmee Airport was over uh, over Disney World. So I even managed to get my very own airborne fireworks cruise one night. And uh, I could watch uh, Fantasy in the Sky from above, which was uh, particularly special. Um, Emma and I have had numerous trips on our own. And recently we've been taking our, our two lads. Um, son number one, Brody, went at seven months and then at a year and a half. So they were uh, slightly different holidays than we were used to. And then this year, we're taking both boys for the first time. So Brody will be three and Bo will be one and a half. So if you're there in Florida in September, you will definitely hear us before you see us. <laughs> and finally, it's me, Peter. I'm Peter H on the Dib. 
And I won't go over again what Jill said, because she said it so much better than I could. So I'll give you my fact. My fact is that one time at Disneyland Paris, I got Mickey to give Jill a necklace for our anniversary. Oh. 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 He got down on one knee as well. We were quite worried. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's all the wafflers. You'll hear more from them throughout the rest of the show. Right. So I think we need to get to know a couple of the wafflers. Each episode, two of the wafflers will be talking through their version of the legendary four-park challenge. Taking on the challenge this time are Claire and John. Right, guys. Remember, you must visit all four parks in one day. You should experience one ride or attraction. You must have a meet with a character see one show and have one item of food or drink. Is that clear? Yes. Fantastic. So, John, you're up first. Take it away. Hi, this is my four-part challenge. Um, I'm trying to base my day around one that we actually experienced in 2015 for my eldest son's birthday. And it was a day that we'll always remember. Every four-part challenge day is different. Your plans are personal to you. But more than anything else, it's a day you really do need to go and enjoy it. It's a totally different day. If you're used to going deep into the parks, this isn't really what a four-park challenge is. You go in, you do your things, you get out. We packed up at Hollywood Studios and actually began our quest with a couple of different things. We added in a pin trade character signature. But our aim was to get things done and not linger. So we went to Terra Terra. Um, as a ride, this is our favourite place. It also is a great place to go at park opening. At nine o'clock, everyone heads to Toy Story Land. You can actually then even sneak a quick single rider on there, rock and roller coaster too. We were really fortunate with, you know, like I said, it was my son's birthday. We'd bought him a Mickey hat, and on our, I think our third Tower of Terror trip, we actually managed to uh, have the cast member stickers in the front row, and nobody else joined us, which was a fabulous experience. For food, well, Hollywood Studios is a bit limited, um, and especially with the closure of starring roles and our beloved right of stop. The food options are limited. So Starbucks for a coffee, morning snack, and I've got to admit, our boys do really enjoy a lemon pound cake in, in Starbucks. The meet and greet options within Hollywood Studios tend to tend to appear very, very early in the morning. It's intended to basically slow people down away from going to Toy Story. It also is a really good meet and greet if you're doing the four-part challenge because it's something that you can actually... There's no long wait time and you can actually go with it. For our show within Hollywood Studios, the first Frozen sing-along is at 10.30, so obviously that's doable. Having said that, I've got better plans for this day. We walk, we got on the bus, and we headed to Animal Kingdom. Now, Animal Kingdom... I've got to admit, I would really get a fast pass and base my whole day's fast pass around my time in, in, in Animal Kingdom purely to try and ride Flight of, Flight of Passage. Flight of Passage is the most amazing ride. It's the most fantastic experience. And if you manage to get a fast pass for it, it is so worthwhile. And it's also better than the three-hour queue that you might actually have to endure. My show with an Animal Kingdom is always going to be Nemo. There's something about Nemo. There's something in Nemo that I can't even begin to explain. It might be the dad bit. It might be the son bit. I don't know. But it is just totally something that we all get. On the day that we actually experienced in 2015, again, for the, I'm sure it was the birthday hat, but we actually got a chance to meet Marlon, Nemo, and Dory after the show. It was beautiful. It really was something that I don't think we'd ever replicate. Having said that, if we would go back again, 
I've got to say Doug and Russell are always a, a firm favourite for us on the, the meet and greet front. Food within Animal Kingdom is is getting better. Um, I think there's there's a lot of options. We do like Yak and Yeti for an evening, but within the confines of, of our day, it's a little bit too early for a little bit of Yak and Yeti. So in Africa, just by the safari, there's a lovely choice of food at the Harambe market. And I do highly recommend the sausage with naan bread. From there, you've got to keep your day moving. And that's really important. You know, I always get distracted by every single roller coaster known to mankind um, and would stay in a park for a long time. On a four park challenge day, move on. And that's what we, we always try to do. We went from Animal Kingdom. And we then went to Magic Kingdom, which was a bit of a controversial choice. And I think for those people who read a lot of people's choices on the dip, that's not at the time of day that people would assume that you were going to go to the Magic Kingdom. From Animal Kingdom to Magic Kingdom, we then got the bus. And I have to admit, by getting the bus and not taking the car, it is so much better because you're right in at the front of the park. It saves that journey from parking. It saves that whole thing about having to get to the TTC and then having to get the monorail or the boat. You get the bus in, you're straight in. And for us, there is only one ride I think that a lot of us would, would always choose, and that's Space Mountain. Space Mountain, I would, I would queue for. But if you're really, really good, by the time you're leaving Animal Kingdom, you will get another fast pass. And I think that's where you really need to use your phone in this day and age and trying to make sure that you get fast pass to work for you. The show within Magic Kingdom has to be the three o'clock parade. It's the only parade. And I think that's the unfortunate part now, having been at Disney for a long time and seen a, a afternoon parade in Hollywood Studios and seen one at Epcot and also seen the one at Animal Kingdom. The one in Magic Kingdom still remains. We all need to go and see it. My food option, it's the middle of the afternoon. I think you all need an ice cream and we do enjoy the ice cream from the, the Plaza Ice Cream Parlor and it's, it's needed. Because after the parade and having sat, waited, you tend to get to frying point. Best place to go for a character meet and greet is Mickey at Town Square. I know he doesn't talk anymore to you, but I've got to admit that was a really big thing for our boys. And we're best to do it. You're in Magic Kingdom. You've got to go and see the mouse himself, haven't you? From there, it's the monorail. And the monorail to the TTC again. And then off to Epcot. And by this time within the whole day, we're looking at probably about four, half four. And having used your time sort of really wisely, you arrive at Epcot at a really good time because you're able to then find out that you can manage to use a, a next fast pass or... You can then go and try and the single rider line for Test Track. For us, this is a really, really good option, and, and Test Track is our favourite ride of the whole family. Meet and greet, we always go to Baymax. <laughs> yeah, we found a we found a really fantastic um, ear hat last year, and my eldest son then ended up wearing it and met Baymax, and we had the most brilliant interaction with, with a character who doesn't talk, doesn't sign, but it was fantastic. Food options in Epcot are really plentiful and our favourite place really for a counter service. We, we tend not to, you know, if you're staying off site, counter service is a really good option and you look for value. And it's that little hut on the left hand side as you're going into the pavilion in Japan. It's a great place. And I've got to admit, as you come out, you've got the most fantastic location for fireworks. Which brings me to my show. 
because illuminations, reflections of Earth is going away this year. It will be missed. However, I don't think it's actually as good as it was, having seen it over a, a long period of time. Unlike Wishes, I'll at least get the chance to say goodbye, and I really appreciate that. I just hope that its replacement is just as good. For our whole day, and for one last moment, if you remember, I said that we didn't do the Frozen show at Hollywood Studios where the cars parked. We're heading back to Hollywood Studios. And as we leave Epcot through International Gateway, look into the friendship boat, we look for the 10 o'clock show in a Fantasmic. My eldest son's favourite show. It's a fantastic way to just end four parts, one day, a challenge. And by the end of it, you'll actually have that just true experience of what Disney's all about. It's a wonderful thing to experience, a wonderful thing to try and do. You can make it as hard as you want. You can make it as difficult as you want by adding in different parts of the challenge. However, it's memorable and it'll stay with you forever. Our day in 2015 is still talked about. It's still one of those days that we will never, ever forget. And by the end of the day, yeah, nobody will stand beside you on the bus as you get it out because it is a long, long day in the parks. But you just enjoy it. And when you get back to your villa, you sit in the pool and you just absorb everything that you've experienced. And that's our four-part challenge as a family. Thank you very much, John. That was really interesting. Wow, you did a lot. I mean, I mean a lot. That sounds proper intense. <laughs> it's a good day. You've, you've got to manage it, though. You can't... You, like I said to start with, you can't go with the intention of going deep into the parks... You go with what you want to achieve. It goes against everything that you probably, as a, as, as anybody from the UK is ever going to cross to, to Walt Disney World. You go into the park, you try to fit in as much as you possibly can in a shorter time space. But on a day like this, you go in, you achieve what you can. And actually, if you just... I've said this a long time on the dip, is... If you go at it a little bit slowly, you go without, without trying to manage it all, the magic will come back and meet you. And, and we had a few occasions there where I'm sure it was just Josh's hat, but more than anything else, we had a day that would never, ever be repeated. And we've not tried to repeat it since. Cool. John, I've got one question for you. How yeah. much do you charge to uh, set yourself up as a planning consultant for uh, four-part challenges? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Because I think you've got it down. It's... I'll tell you what all people need to do is... You know, I, write, I write trip reports very honestly. They might be really boring. I don't write them for other people. I write them for, I write them for my kids. Because I want them to know that in years to come, what we did was was so special, and that's all I try to talk about. Is just that's how it is, and I try to learn. That's the unfortunate thing. I try to learn different things, different tricks, and different ways of managing to fit so much in. Four parks in a day should not be something where people are, are you know, people are afraid of doing it. It's not it's not undoable. You just need to make it work for you as a family. And our, our way as a family actually would be completely different from the way somebody else wants their family to experience it. You know, I would never, I would, you know, I'd never ever pretend. Everybody else who's listening to this, this was our, this was our day. Your day will be totally different and totally brilliant experience. And you make of it what you do, and it's that's that's why we all go on these holidays. Talking of totally different, Claire. 
You're going to yes. tackle this totally differently, aren't you? Yeah. Completely. Yes, I am. <laughs> in in true style of a podcast where we haven't discussed it beforehand, I've taken a completely different approach to mine. So I have uh, not worried about the time. Um, I have not worried about trying to cram it all into one day. I have literally chosen my favourites from each park. But let's see how we get on. So uh, I'm going to start in the Magic Kingdom. I'm going to park up at the, uh, I'm going to get there early and I'm going to park in the front row of the regular parking. I'm not paying for Premier. Um, And I'm going to jump on the ferry boat and head over Seven Seas Lagoon to uh, the Magic Kingdom. Uh, that early morning ride in the ferry boat as the castle comes into view, the sun's bright and shiny. It's like the best moment ever. So when I get into Magic Kingdom, and oh, I meant to say, I'm doing this without my children because they would slow me down. (laughs) (laughs) So um, so I'm going to come into Magic Kingdom and I'm going to head up straight up Main Street and I'm going to hang a left into Adventureland. I'm going to go against the flow of the rest of the crowd and I'm going to head for probably my favourite ride in the Magic Kingdom, which is Jungle Cruise. Now, I love the Jungle Cruise, especially when you get a fantastic skipper who just delivers that script on the money every time. It's also great fun when you get a fantastic skipper and nobody else in the boat gets the jokes. So (laughs) that for me, when you're the only people laughing, that makes it even better. So after I've been on the Jungle Cruise and I've seen the backside of the water, I'm going to jump off and head straight over to the Sunshine Tree Terrace and grab myself a citrus swirl float. None of this dull whip rubbish. Give me the citrus swirl <laughs> and make it a floaty one. I'm gonna my, my meet and greet in the Magic Kingdom, I'm going to go for something slightly less uh, stereotypical. I'm going to head right into the back of Fantasyland and I'm going to find Gaston just because it's always fun. And it's fun, not for my meet and greet, but for watching everybody else's meet and greet in the line in front and behind me. It's always great fun. You get the guy who tries to pump iron and pose. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. So it's always worth a watch. And then because I'm not worried about time, and I mean that in the looser sense of the word, I'm going to watch the Main Street Electrical Parade, followed by Wishes. That's my favourite show and parade. (laughs) And as I said, I've taken a completely different view of this. So, um, you know, I, I agree with uh, John that the absence of an evening parade in the Magic Kingdom uh, is really, really sad. Uh, but the Main Street Electrical Parade for me was always my favourite. I remember um, watching it for the first time ever. And I bought, I think it was in like 1992, and I bought a, a book of sheet music of the of Walt Disney World. And I went home and I learned the piano how to play the Baroque hoedown. And I was so proud of myself. I love that parade and I love the music and I love the swirly snails. Um, So after the Magic Kingdom, I'm going to head out of the park onto the monorail and uh, head over to Epcot. So all together now, por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. So when I get into Epcot, I'm going to head for Test Track. And Test Track for me, I love. I love it. I love doing it with my kids particularly with my daughter, because we always make the most disgusting car you could possibly imagine. It's always pink or purple with sparkles and an ugly spoiler. Um, and we we love watching how badly it does uh, going around that track. You also can get a fantastic photo opportunity as you come out. There's always that moment just before the doors open and you go outside around the fast track. You've got time just to pop your sunglasses on so that the photo looks great. So as a family, that tends to be our approach. The shades go on and get the photo as you go around. Um, My food item in Epcot, um, I'm going to have something to eat and to wash it down. So I'm going to have a a school bread from Norway. But they're quite dry sometimes, especially if you get later on in the day. So I'm going to have to get a Grey Goose slushy from France to wash it down with as well. Um, There's there's an official rule in our house that if you go to Epcot, you have to have a Grey Goose slushy. So uh, that's going down, definitely. My meet and greet, um, I've I've, I've taken a bit of a liberty on this one. Uh, I'm going to meet Crush, and I'm going to meet Crush by going to watch Turkey Talk with Crush. And I say that because because last time my daughter was the, uh, the first... Uh, child that Crush spoke to and having said two words to him she then decided she didn't want to say anything else so I was 
I was the parental unit that he had to talk to. Um, so I'm going to meet Crush. Uh, and my, my show of parade in Epcot has to be Illuminations. There's no question. Um, 30th of September this year is the end of the show. Um, and I can't wait to see it again this summer. We've got an Illuminations cruise booked for the end of August. And uh, I'm going to have a few tears, I think, probably while we're saying goodbye to that show. I love it. Um, I'm going to head out the International Gateway since I'm over that way. And I'm going to jump on a friendship boat over to uh, Hollywood Studios. And when I get to Hollywood Studios, I'm going to take the opposite direction to John. And I'm heading straight for Toy Story Mania. <laughs> I love, I love Toy Story Mania. It is a, 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 a thing in our house where it is challenge extended. Who can get the highest score without their hand falling off at the end of the ride? <laughs> because it really hurts. If you, work, if you play it properly, you should be able to use your hand for the rest of the day. So we're going to play Toy Story Mania once, maybe twice, if we possibly can. Uh, and then we're going to get some food. And my food item, I really found this hard for um, Hollywood Studios because, like John, I was a big fan of the writer's stop. The carrot cake cookie is no longer a carrot cake cookie. It's some strange shape. It makes sense. The starring rolls isn't there anymore and the Butterfinger cupcake's gone. So for me, I'm going to go to uh, Primetime Cafe. 50s prime time i'm gonna have aunt liz's fried chicken because that fried chicken is good i might get told off while for not eating my greens but i am gonna eat the chicken <laughs> my my meet and greet at hollywood studios um is gonna be edna mode i love edna i think she's amazing and the new meet and greet area at the back of uh pixar place um looks fantastic so i can't wait to meet her this summer she's uh i think she's my spirit character i love her I love the way that she uh, tells everyone off. And my show of parade in the Hollywood studios is probably my favourite show in the whole of Walt Disney World. And that is the Frozen sing-along for the first time in forever Frozen sing-along. I have watched this probably every time I've been into Hollywood studios. And there's a couple of actors in there who are really popular and utterly hysterical. And I've literally had tears pouring down my face every single time. And I've worked out there's a bit of a trick to getting a really great seat. If you wait and walk along the back of the auditorium and down the far side, they hold the front couple of rows for disabled guests. Within the last three or four minutes before the show starts, they open them up to everyone. So actually, if you're on the far side, I've had a few chats with a cast member waiting. And then we've gone and sat on the second row, which has been brilliant. So that's my tactic. Don't everyone do that or I won't get in. But that's my <laughs> tactic for a fantastic seat. And I love that sort of show. I sing along. I shout puddle at the inappropriate moment. I'm fully invested. And I will continue to do that every time I go. Now, I couldn't work out how to get from Hollywood Studios to Animal Kingdom efficiently. So I'm just going to call the minivan. I'm going to make it simple. Um, and when I get to Animal Kingdom, uh, because I don't care about time, it's still the morning. <laughs> And I'm going to head right to the very back of Africa and go to the Kilimanjaro Safari. I love the safari. And I, what I love most about it is the fact that every single time you ride it, it's different. So you don't know whether that giraffe is going to stand in, in the middle of the, the road. You don't know if you're never going to see a hippo. Uh, the lion might roar or they might just be lying on the air-conditioned stone. Either way, it's always <laughs> going to be different. Um, the last couple of times we rode it, we got a, a, a psycho ostrich running at us which was interesting, to say the least. Got a couple of great photos. Um, so after the safari, I need a bit of a sit down. That's a long ride. It's bumpy. You know, there's lots of animal activity. So I am heading for the Nomad Lounge. I'm sitting on the outside sofas. I'm going to order myself a charcuterie plate and a leaping lizard cocktail. And if anyone's ever been to the Nomad Lounge, it is the best place in Animal Kingdom. You can just sit outside. You don't think that you're in a theme park. You can't see anything other than beautiful vegetation and the service is excellent. And it's the most, I think we've probably spent two or three hours in there every time. My meet and greet in Animal Kingdom. I'm going to hot foot it right to the other side of the, the park and I'm going to meet Launchpad McQuack for the old bit of vintage ducktail spa. Uh, I'm heading over there. And then my final show in Animal Kingdom, the opposite to John. I am heading for Festival of the Lion King. I love this show. I will watch it every time I go in the park. 
sometimes twice a day. Um, I love sitting in the elephant section. And I like John, I have my favourite tasks that, that take part in that. Um, the thing that we've discovered is that we've worked out exactly where my daughter should sit to be picked to take part. So we then sort of stake out our seats and sit still and all that slide to the left. No, we're staying where the, we're those people. And I would say that 90% of the time she ends up getting up to, to take part in the show, which makes her day and makes, you know, makes a fantastic video and really, really great photo opportunities. So, yeah, she gets the shaker, she gets to dance around and we get another brilliant show. So those are my choices. I'm not... <laughs> it's a bit random I've taken some liberties in terms of timing and uh yeah um like going in a time machine sometimes but I think if I was to spend my day doing all four parks those are the things I would want to do fantastic usual look at the term Claire can I met something absolutely awful what's that that you're all going to judge me for of course. Probably. I've never seen eliminations. <gasps> You're not my friend anymore, Sam. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know it's it's her, and I'll I'll not get to see it before it leaves. Oh Seriously. no! There's always YouTube. Oh. Well, then you don't. Yeah. See. <laughs> I'll also, I'll also let every since I'll I'll go a little bit off topic as well, but I would also say that. I think I've been quoted on the board that in the past couple of years, Illuminations doesn't look the same as it looked even six or seven years ago. There's there's parts there's parts of the show that are not working, which I think is why they've re- and they and they can't get replacement parts for it. So they've realised that they've had to go and reimagine it, which is I think is really sad. I would also go back as well. That you mentioned of wishes, as you you know, in Magic Kingdom, wishes still to this day will, is certainly my favourite. Um, and they they did T-shirts when wishes was going away, and we we weren't there, we weren't privy to it. We actually got the T-shirts sent to people that we know in America, just so that we got one of the the final wishes wishes T-shirts and. Uh, I've got to say the news, even the news today about sort of holiday wishes, holiday wishes is going away. is 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 really a sad, sad, sad moment. It's it's the last part of wishes that we've yeah. we're all used to seeing. Um, and I don't know, it's time and a place. I know people. I know a lot of people like happily ever after. I would and I would, you know, take my hat off to that, but. There is something totally about wishes. We were very lucky that we were there um, on the last night of wishes. Wow. Oh, wow. We saw the second of the first night of um, Happily Ever After. Mm. So, I think you had a lot, of, a lot of people in tears on the last night of wishes, though. I know all our cast members were really, really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. For me, Holiday Wishes was my absolute favourite, not least because we saw it on my birthday. And uh, we went to the parade and stood at the parade and Santa in his sleigh spotted my birthday button and shouted happy birthday to me. So, I mean, you know, when you have that happen to you, anything else that happens that night, you know, it's just going to be a bonus. But, yeah, we absolutely loved Holiday Wishes. It's absolutely beautiful. Brilliant. So two very unusual looks at the four-part challenge there. So, guys, open to you. Any questions? Anything? No. I'm very, I'm very disappointed that no one chose living with the land as one of the rides. Oh, oh. oh good call, right? right. Yeah. That, yeah. Main. that was nearly on my list. So close to being on my list. As was Mission Space <laughs> Orange, because <laughs> I love things that spin, but do you know what? It's the ugly cars win every time. To be honest with you, Lloyd, it's actually it's in my notes because it is such a it's a lovely, lovely ride, but you generally don't have to queue up. And one yeah. of the things that, one of the things that Fast Pass Plus has changed about the whole of Epcot is that 
you're now looking at wait times are like 35 minutes. Whereas like five years ago, it was always walk on, and there was always it's just a beautiful thing to do. And you know, I think I shared with I think I shared with all of you guys is we did it as a the behind the scenes tour. Yeah. When yeah. you're actually on stage, actually makes it a completely different experience because you're watching the boats going by, and for a lot of people who would ever go and visit Epcot, it's not a lot of money. You know, you know, we're looking at a family of four, but to you know to go and do some of these really big tours or the really big behind the scenes things that Disney do offer is an awful lot to be able to afford. Behind the scenes of living in the land is just it's brilliant really is and, and I've, i can't recommend it enough to anybody but also living in the land is just a fab ride really is it's one of those ones that i remember doing as a kid yeah like when i was very young i was bored and i kind of it's almost like a sort of benchmark <laughs> of when i grew up or turned into an adult or a grown-up that i started enjoying it or maybe just turned into a bit more nerdy that i enjoy that kind of thing from one of the original versions of it, was, was it mm. One Little Seed or something? The actual the song from the they've, they've cut from it, and it still belongs within the you know Living with the Land. This if you go on YouTube, if you put Living with the Land song, you'll find it. It still belongs within that ride. I have to say, I don't like Living with the Land. Mm. <laughs> oh, I know. No. So I have to admit, we were practically falling asleep at that point, so maybe... Maybe, yeah. Yeah, maybe the jet lag hit. I guess. But, yeah, I, it, it's not my favourite. It's, yeah, I find it a bit long and a bit dull. But there you go. That's... That, that's Educational, me. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Edutainment, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Don't let me laugh. Yeah, we've only done it once. We did it on our honeymoon, but it was like... We accidentally found it. It's like okay. we did the um, Circle of Life show that was yeah. there. Oh, that... Ended up doing that. That's now finished. <laughs> that was boring. That was incredibly boring. Sorry. I thought tomorrow I like I it's gonna be fun. No. Yeah. Something supposed to be replacing it, but I'm not sure what it is yet. But... Yeah. And it's just turn going around the world, isn't well, it? Awesome planet. Awesome planet. Yeah. Awesome planet. Absolutely. The circle of the circle of life film mm. actually rescued an awful lot of stuff when my youngest lad wasn't tall enough to ride soaring. Oh. Okay. And so, eldest boy and one of us used to go do soaring, and then we do swap over, and we'd go and watch the film, and then living with the land, and we, and that's probably why I, I, there is a love of living with the land because we just kept going round and round while they were. They were waiting for soaring. You got but, used to it. <laughs> but it's yeah. But the film itself, I don't know. I think the, I was to see the film go because actually it had a really powerful message, but probably a powerful message twenty years too late. Now you may have noticed that there's been a small opening in Disneyland Anaheim, something to do with some space film or 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 something. So. Let Sammy take you to a galaxy far, far away, or at least to Galaxy's Edge. living under a rock i'm assuming you've heard about star wars galaxy's edge or star wars land at disney this is a highly themed land within disneyland california and disney's hollywood studios in orlando in which you're meant to feel like you're in the movie you're the you're in the star wars universe there doesn't seem to be much differences between the lands on both coasts apart from the opening dates which are the 31st of may in california which means that it's open Uh, and the 29th of August in Orlando. So the lands themselves will have two rides. The Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which is an interactive motion simulator in which six people take control of the famous starship and your actions actually impact the ride experience. So that sounds quite interesting. The second ride 
Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, it won't be open until the lands have been both open for a while. Uh, there's no specific date set on when they'll open, uh, but it seems it'll probably be a couple of months after the initial opening of the lands. Uh, rumours are they're actually having trouble with the tech in the new ride. Um, the rides will be trackless dark rides and the size and scale will apparently be incredible. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Along with the rides, there'll obviously be dining and merch options. Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo will be the main restaurant and will be a counter slash quick service restaurant. Uh, there'll also be a stand called the Milk Stand, which will be similar to Pongo Pongo and Avatar. Uh, that will be a snack and beverage spot and apparently selling blue milk. <laughs> Sounds uh, interesting. Um, I'm not much of a foodie, but I'd be interested to see what everyone else thinks of the food options that will be coming to Star Wars land. There will also be a bar called Oga Cantina with a similar vibe to the cantina scene in the Star Wars movie A New Hope. And it will be selling alcohol, Claire, and non-alcoholic beverages. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last but not least, uh, are we mention on the merch options that will be coming? Uh, the first custom merch option will be to design your own droid, and the other one will be to design your own lightsaber, um, which will be one of a kind. Uh, of course, there'll be all the normal merch offerings like apparel, toys, and collectibles and such. So I just wanted to quickly cover what the lands will consist of. Um, Disneyland California is now open, um, although you have to have a reservation for the first month. Um, so if you're just wanting to walk in, like don't, because you won't, they won't let you in. And obviously Orlando uh, opened in August. Uh, so I, yeah, I want to open up the discussion now. Should we start with rides? Because I really want to hear what Queen of Team Wimp thinks about the rides and if she's going to be riding them. Jill, can you shed any light? Hmm. Well, obviously, the only one I know anything about is the one that's already open, um, and that is the Smuggler's Run one. And I've heard it described as a cross between um, Mission Space and Star Tours. Um, I've never done either of those rides, so there you go. Uh, I think Star Tours I would probably throw up. Uh, mission space. I I didn't even want to do the green one, so uh, but I'd probably give it a go because I've heard it's it's not as kind of as as Star Tours, but uh, I don't know. I'd probably give it a go. What does sound interesting is that the different buttons that you press and things that you do do apparently have some kind of outcome. Yeah. So I'd probably manage to crash the ship. <laughs> Which you can do, you can actually crash it. Yeah, you yeah. can. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Pretty sure. Anyone else um, on both rides? Um, even though one of them won't be opening for months. The, the Rise of the Resistance. Did you see when they were constructing um, Galaxy's Edge? Did you see the big Atats? Yeah. Yes. Saw them. So that's their part of the ride. Because I thought they were going to be props like outside Star Tours, but they're actually going to be in the ride unit. Yes. Yeah, so. As part of the ride, you're kind of trying to escape from a Star Destroyer or the Death Star or something, and your trackless ride vehicle will take you under these full-size Atats, which is shooting down at you. Insane. In, like, a good way. It's got, like, a vertical drop in it as well, a little bit like um, Tower of Terror. What is it? Yeah, there's apparently part of it you go along in the track, and then towards the end, there's, like, a drop sequence. Right. Okay, Queen of Team Wimpy. No, yeah. no wonder they're having trouble with the tech if it's going to be this technical, you know, like that's why it's not kind of going to be open with the rest of the land because the well, the it's a rumor, it's not confirmed, but they're having issues with the tech. No wonder they're planning all this. I think it's because they've opened the park or both have opened earlier than planned. It's the one in Florida wasn't actually supposed to open to late fall. So it's probably like December and it's opening in August. So it's probably a good idea to get a lot of the crowds out of the way. Um, but the ride's not going to be ready in time. I think it's a good idea that they're doing four hour slots. That's uh, a very good idea yeah. because that means that you've got time to see everything. Yeah. And, and, and it, 
and looking on social media, it looks really spectacular. They they really do take you to a different planet. The longest queue for um, Smuggles runs only been sixty minutes. Yeah, and that was really smart on their part. But they haven't announced anything they're going to do like this in um, Orlando. Right. Okay. So no, you might end up as a free for all. I believe you can get bathroom tickets or something. <laughs> <laughs> While you're in the queue. When you're in the queue, you can get a bathroom break and come back. Yes, that's going to be uh, useful, I think, when, when it actually opens to the public. Um, the gifts look really good. The, the merch looks really good. And some of the animatronics are, yeah. are fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. And I'm particularly on Smuggler's Run. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the land looks insane. What I've like I'm like I wanna look and I don't at the same time because I want to be super surprised, but I know it's gonna be everywhere, so it, I like I can't really help it. Um but it just looks so like we thought Avatar was amazing, like those floating mountains that like Galaxy's Edge is just looks another level of that, like just insane. What I found interesting as well is that, by the sound of it, you are being taken to this planet. So when you're there, all the cast members are playing roles. So if you say, oh, where's the Star Wars role? What is this Star Wars you speak of? Yeah, Yeah, and apparently they're going to be able to interact with you on how you do on the rides and stuff. But I I read that, like, if you crash the, the plane, you know, the Millennium Falcon... If you crash the Millennium Falcon, then the um, cast members will be able to know that somehow. I don't know if they will scan your band or something. I don't know how they're meant to know this, but apparently they will know things that you've done in the land and be able to interact you on that level. So that seems kind of like interesting. And um, yeah, it's we saw a clip on YouTube the other day that if you crash the Millennium Falcon, as soon as you get out of the ride, there's like sparks and things going off, so you know you've crashed it. <laughs> it just looks so realistic. Yeah. It'd be like yeah, a it's gonna... wouldn't it? Yeah. And you can't um actually ask where they make the lightsabers. You have to ask um where the scrap metal the scrap metal is. Are you looking for some scrap metal? Because, of course, lightsabers are contraband, you say. So, yeah. <laughs> I do wonder how long some of this kind of role-playing stuff is going to stay there, because how many yeah. people from different countries across the world who have no idea about Star Wars and, and their eight-year-olds drag them in, you know, how many times are they just going to go, look, I just want to find the bathroom, I just want to get a chicken nuggets. So, yeah. <laughs> Me. That sounds like you do wonder. Yeah, I know, right? I think it's like Star Wars has got such a huge fan base and it's not just from um, just a smaller group of... It's difficult to compare like Avatar versus Star Wars because Avatar Land's been very successful and but a lot of people you t- talk to don't really know that much about it. Even though it's the number one movie of all time. Still, yeah. The things with Pandora, they've kind of... They've kind of shot first, and they've built the land. They've built Pandora. When they've got, is it three more films in the franchise? Yeah, five. Five more. Wow. Five is coming. The next one's called the freaking Seed Bearer. Seed Bearer. Seriously, Avatar, Avatar Two, the Seed Bearer. Okay, maybe not. I'm wondering if it's a code. I'm hoping it's a code name. Is it, is it, really? is it, it could be a code name, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they lost me with Avatar when they said it was unobtainium. It literally is the biggest movie, biggest grossing movie of all time. Endgame is second, Titanic is third. Wow. And they're making five more movies. It's like everyone's forgotten about Avatar now. No one cares. Yeah. 
it's find a lot of people watch the first one on the plane over now, just so they're all prepped for Pandora. <laughs> it's been that long, hasn't it? The actual land isn't actually set until like after the fifth film. Right. Isn't it? So, yeah, it's set like so much far in the future that that's what it will eventually get to. Right. Oh my god. It's kind of giving it away, doesn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> just James Cameron really must sit through five films. <laughs> five films and built in spoilers. Do you think they're going to do a new an, an expansion of it? They could build two. Yeah, they could, but will they? I honestly, I predict, right, that each Avatar movie, like, are less and less people are going to see them every time. They're going to bomb. The second one, people will go and see it because, oh, Avatar, blah, blah, blah. And then the third, fourth, and fifth are going to bomb. Yeah, the second people go and see because of the title. And then the... Uh... Yeah. Third, fourth, fifth, they're just gonna go down unless they can come up with just as good titles. The titles are the titles are out there. All of them. I can't remember them. Right. See if you Google Avatar sequel um, oh, names, they're all out there. I dread to think. I just remembered Seed Bear because I mean that one sticks in your head, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar and just do um, build Wakanda and Animal Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone like a Black Panther. Yeah. Yes. So what do we think about the blue milk? Is this blue and green? Ooh. I want to try it. Apparently it's it's coconut milk. It's not dairy. Is it? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. vegan. Yeah. Oh, I've, got, I've got the titles if anyone's interested. Oh, oh yes. The Way of Water, that's quite a pedestrian title, I think. Uh, they're taking then the chance on the next one, The Seed Bearer. And then the third, we have The Tulkun Rider, uh, which sounds uh, good. And uh, number four, or number five, uh, The Quest for Iwa. Oh, Iwa, yeah, that's uh, that. Isn't that the goddess Iwa. of it? Yeah, yeah and then. It. Yeah. I, thought it, I thought it was one of the small fairy things in the, uh, the forest <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. That's an Ewok. Oh, is it Pegs? <laughs> but, oh my god, it's It's supposed to be a crossover. Can only make Avatar better. <laughs> I can think of one connection between Galaxy's Edge and Avatar and, and Pandora, which is you can both get something that sits on your shoulder and um, works like a puppet. Because you've got the, what are the horses called in Avatar? The Banshees. The Banshees, that's yeah. right. The Banshees in Avatar and these monkeys yeah. in Star Wars that basically sits on your shoulder and you work them like a puppet down here. Yeah, the little remote thing. And it's about how, what? The one that the, is that the one that like Jabba the Hutt has? Like those wee like creepy things? Yeah. 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 They're about $80, I think. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Won't be getting one of those. Yeah. Mm. Do you know they're selling banshees now, super cheap in the character warehouse? Yes, they are. Yes, I've seen that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anything else about kind of the food options or the merch or the rides or anything like that, guys? Yeah, I I'll mention the food and. From what I've seen, this doesn't seem to be much in the way of kind of iconic snacks, apart from some weird-looking popcorn. Uh, so I'm not quite sure. I think they need some kind of snack that will grab people's attention. And the thing that I have always thought, and tell me if I'm weird. Yes, you are. Thank you. Yeah. The thing I've always thought is that the Millennium Falcon is kind of shaped like an ice cream cookie sandwich. Yeah. It's kind of round and it's got this sort of bit in the middle that's white and like, yeah. So, you know, you could have like a wafer and two cookies and uh, ice cream in the middle and have your Millennium Falcon ice cream cookie sandwich. Get the Imagineers on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do have lightsaber churros when um, occasionally. Yeah, that's what I was uh, thinking uh, they're going to bring back the lightsaber churros. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff they've used in the um, Star Wars dessert party, so I wouldn't be surprised if some of those venture over into Galaxy's Edge. I'm like interested to see what the docking bay seven food and cargo will have. So I'm wondering if it will just be like a normal quick service restaurant, you know, like Tomorrowland Terrace or 
um, cosmic rays or what would be more like Satula Canteen where they kind of, it's something a bit different because Satula Cantina has um, like the, the the bowls with like rice and chicken and, and all that sort of stuff. It's not kind of like a regular um, counter service. So I'm just wondering. I think they're going to go sort of Satula Canteen way. It's sort of, every time they do a themed land, it makes more sense for Disney to follow it through food as well. take us to a place on the dip you might not know about. With a bit of pixie dust, it's over to Jill. Thank you very much. Uh, you'll have to excuse me, I'm coping with the ultimate cold, so my voice does sound a little bit hoarse tonight, but hopefully we'll get too much in the way of what I'm going to tell you about. Now, I have been on the dip since 2008. Not continuously, although sometimes you might be forgiven for thinking so. I do spend a lot of time on the dip, but there's still some areas of it that are a complete mystery to me. For instance, the DVC section. I am going to need the help of some of my fellow presenters to unpack what that means one of these days. However, there is an area of the forums which you might not have come across that I really like. It's called Pixie Dust Postcards. It's part of the dip community section of the boards. Now, I should say at the outset, if there are any little ones listening right now, you might want to pack them off into the other room because we are going to take a little bit of a backstage glimpse into how some of the magic works. Okay, all gone? Door shut? Good. The idea is this. If you're going to a Disney park, mostly Walt Disney World, you can offer to send a pixie dust postcard to someone who's going there soon. You might say on the boards, I'm off to Orlando on the 1st of November and I'd be happy to send a PDP for someone who will be out there in the next month or so. Then someone who wants one might post on the thread and they say, oh, yes, we're there for Christmas. And my kids, Emily and Adam, would love a card from Mickey. So you get in touch with them by private message and you get the name and address of the person that you'll be sending a card to. Some people might like to share other details, such as what resort they're staying in or what their child's favourite character is. So off you go to WDW, you buy a postcard that you think the person would like, and you write a message from Mickey or whoever. Uh, if you're lucky, you might be able to get Mickey to actually sign it, but obviously don't forget that Mickey's writing is a bit big for a postcard. So I think on this occasion, it's okay to sign it on Mickey's behalf. I mean, I'm a PA, so I quite often send letters on behalf of my boss. I guess we're doing the same kind of thing. So you might say something like, hi there, Emily and Adam. It's your old pal Mickey here. I've just been to see the room that they're making up for you at All Star Movies. And I'm sure you'll have a swell time when you come over for Christmas. See you real soon. I didn't attempt to do Mickey's voice. At the moment, I can't even do my own voice very well. So apologies for that. But hey. Anyway, you then post the card from somewhere in WDW. Don't forget, you can buy postage stamps there, and there are post boxes. They're not always easy to see, but they're there. The card then arrives, hopefully, before Emily and Adam actually go off on their holiday. And hopefully they will be thrilled to get a personal message from Mickey, wishing them well. And similarly, if you're going on holiday soon and you would like a PDP sent to you or to your family, you can post on the board, giving your holiday dates, and you can ask if anyone would like to send you one. And that's it, really. It's a simple little thing, but it can be really good fun to send and to receive. We don't have children, but we've had PDPs for some of our Disney trips. And it's always been a great way to spark that pre-trip excitement. We've also sent some, not always to children. I remember sending one to someone whose grown-up daughter absolutely loved it. And since she knew it wasn't her parents writing, she spent ages trying to work out who could have sent it. As I said, they're most often done for Walt Disney World, but we have sent and received them from DLP as well. And I'm sure there have been some at the other parks too. Have a look at the section of the boards and see if you could offer to send one the next time you're off to the magic. So anybody had or sent a Pixie Dust postcard? 
Until Jill first mentioned it, I'd never even heard of them. They're a great idea, though. Right, okay. Yeah, I've heard the phrase, but never knew what it... I kind of half got an inkling, but I'd never knew the, the full in-depth idea behind it. Brilliant. Such a lovely idea. As Jill said, we've sent a few and had a few from different parts. Um, it really is a way to spark, spark that joy. You really know you're going to a Disney park when Mickey or your favourite character sends you a postcard. It's really good. I think one, one of the biggest things for us has been it's been a two-way process and that's been that's been the most amazing part of the dip as well because once people acknowledge the fact that they want a postcard then you will go out your way and it doesn't take it doesn't take 10 minutes of your holiday but to send somebody a card for a child in particular and for them to actually have that as either part of their reveal or, or just the fact that it adds to their excitement is just such a brilliant way of, of sharing the power of, of what, what the dibs about. We've had it the other way where people have sent us cards and it is lovely to, to see to see two young children sort of come home and then find a postcard on the on the map. Is is wonderful and and like everyone said, it's it's not something that's flagged up, but it really is special and it, it's something that you know it's true to the it's true to what the dibs all about as well. Yes. Excellent. Don't I mean? No, yeah, I was just gonna say that I'd never heard of it before either, but I think it's really like a great idea, just like a really simple idea, but I think kids would really love it. Obviously, adults uh, can love it too, but I think it's really good for for kids. Um, like if it's their first uh, trip to Walt Disney World or something, it's really really cool. We sent one from DLP a couple of trips ago. Um, we knew that Jeff and Darren were going to be there um, a month or so after us, and so uh, because we knew, already knew their address, we didn't say anything to them on the boards. But we went out and we bought a card and we sent a card from Donald because we were at Newport Bay. And he spent ages trying to work out who it was from. He did figure it out in the end, but it took him a while. And that's what makes it so lovely. You know, you've got, it doesn't matter what age you are. It's that fact that, you know, very few of us in this day and age actually are kept in touch through post. You know, everybody sends a text or sends a an email and actually to have something come through your front door that connects you with DLP, Walt Disney World, any 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 park is the most beautiful thing and I think lots of us really need to turn around and have a look at it, how you can impact on, on so many people's lives. It's lovely. So that's Pixie Dust Postcards. Why not go on the dip, go to the Pixie Dust Postcards section and try it out for yourself. come to the final section of the show oh the mickey mentions an anniversary or maybe a trip happening soon or any reason to celebrate then get in touch with us and we'll give it a mickey mention our first mention tonight is from kayla can i say a big happy birthday to my little boy andrew he is six on the 10th of june and his favorite character is buzz lightyear we're having a themed party for him to celebrate going to infinity and beyond Andrew, we wish you all the best and hope you have an amazing day. Happy birthday, Andrew! Our next mention is from Horace. We're heading to the most magical place on Earth on the 20th of June for the fifth time. We're staying on site at All Star Movies for five nights, and then moving on to the Cabana Bay Resort at Universal for the next five nights. We plan to pack as much theme park fun and food into these ten days as possible. Good luck! Have a good time, Horace. Good luck. Raids, all the raids. And eat all the food. But not just one after another. <laughs> <laughs> no, leave, it, leave a gap. Leave a gap. Yeah. 
Yeah. About an hour. <laughs> yeah. Depends on your stomach strength, I think. And depends <laughs> if you're going on Hulk straight afterwards. Yes. Ooh. Like Hard Rock than Hulk. Our next mention is from Peter, who would like to wish his wonderful wife, Jill, a happy anniversary on the 17th of June. And we'd all like to say, have a wonderful anniversary and congratulations. Our final mention tonight is from Becca to her amazing husband, Ben, on their sixth wedding anniversary, which will be on the 15th of June. Congratulations. Congratulations. I remember my sixth anniversary. <laughs> oh, those years ago. <laughs> and that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Mickey Waffle. Hope you enjoyed our waffle and we look forward to waffling at you again next time. And until then... Waffle up.